Hey guys, this is Zach, and we continued our topic on the intimacy with the Holy Spirit at Vision last Sunday. It was beautiful. We took some time and we talked out of John 21, Jesus' third time appearing to his disciples after his resurrection. And it talks in that chapter about how after the disciples had seen another miracle, that they came and brought their boat up to shore and Jesus was making breakfast for them. And so we spent some time talking around the topic of Jesus has made a place for us, but have we made a place for Jesus? So I think it's very important. I'm challenged in and of myself. And so I hope that it ministers to you and uh, just press in as you listen, invite Holy Spirit to open the eyes of your understanding. And we can't wait to see what God's going to do in and through your yieldedness and your willingness to receive. Well, good morning, everyone. How we doing? Still a little tired? Come on, y'all. How we doing? Exciting, exciting, exciting things. Well, I am so blessed to be able to bring the word this morning. Um, so let's, uh, let's pray, and we're just going to open right up into what he's got for us. Beautiful Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your amazing presence. Father, we recognize um, that, yes, in the midst of probably living in one of the most privileged, part, most, most privileged parts of the world whenever it comes to religious freedom. Father, we never want to take our freedom for granted, and we never want to allow ourselves to become comfortable. So I just take authority right now over the spirit of laziness and the spirit of complacency on the church. And I thank you, Lord, that we would be activated into our missional and evangelistic callings. Lord, that we would walk them out with boldness and that we would be so convinced in the glory and beauty of Jesus that nothing can hinder our voice. And so we give you praise, glory, and honor. Bless the hearer, bless the speaker, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. Oh, well, I just wanted to start off this morning and just share a testimony. How, you, how many of you all here believe that there is power in a testimony? How many of you guys believe that? Come on. It's you will know them by the word of their testimony. And so uh, about two weeks ago, I was blessed with an opportunity to go and play on a worship team, play drums on a worship team for uh, a group down in, uh, what, what did I tell you, James? It was Lake Charles, Lake Charles, Louisiana. Moss Bluff, to be more specific. And that personally was my first time uh, to Louisiana. I'd never been there before. So I was most excited about the food. Let's go. So get some of that Cajun cooking down. I mean, we got the boiled crawfish. We got the fried fish pole boys. We got everything. It was delicious. Uh, and so we drove down there. And it was amongst the team that went. Uh, we were just a worship team. There was about four churches represented. And so that in and of itself was beautiful just to see God bring together people that are talented and that are gifted and that are hungry for the presence of the Lord, not just from vision or not just from another church in the area, but from multiple different churches. And so it was beautiful to witness that. And so we went down and we played for a youth camp down there. And um, it was beautiful. We saw amazing things. But on the second day, it was a three-day conference. So on the second day of camp, in the morning session, uh, we, we were just playing the worship set. Preacher came up, shared an amazing word, gave an altar call. Uh, many kids responded to it. And then we went into a, uh, the, the, the preacher wanted us to go into another song afterwards. And so we're playing, and, and we do another song, and we're just flowing. And as soon as the song ended, none of us stopped playing. 
because it was amazing how Holy Spirit collectively spoke to all of our hearts. I have something. I have something more. There's more. And so we just continued to play. We just continued to flow. And, uh, you know, as on the musician side, you know, we're all just kind of like feeling it. We're just kind of jamming, just feeling it out. But then in our spirits, we're really feeling something stirring. And then all of a sudden, uh, we didn't find out until afterwards when I was talking to the bass player, but uh, we found out that both myself and the bass player at one point both felt this holy heat hit our bodies. Like, I'm in a, in a drum cage, you're moving your entire body all the time, you're already hot. Like, you're, and you're in Louisiana too. Like, everything down there is thick. The atmosphere is thick, the grass is thick, the food is thick, the accents are thick, everything's thick. And so I'm sweating it out in this drum cage, and I'm already hot, but I'm telling you, I felt this holy heat. I don't know how to describe it, but it like rested on me. And then I found out later from the bass player, he's like, you felt that too? He's like, that was me too. And so we're like freaking out. Uh, and then about two minutes after we felt that hit, uh, the leader of the youth camp gets up on the platform, and he's like, all right, guys, so we, don't, we didn't have this plan. And he looks at us on the band, and he's like, you guys just keep playing. He's like, you guys just keep playing. And so they had one of the camp counselors get up, and he gets up, and he's just in tears. And he shares this testimony, and the camp leader looks at the youth counselor, and he says, tell him, like, tell him what happened. And so he gets up, and he's talking, and, and we find out that uh, it's his, his aunt who was there at the camp, too. She was volunteering, and she had struggled with scoliosis in her back for years, uh, has been bent over, has not, been a, has not had the ability to stand up straight. And I'm not a medical doctor. I don't really understand medical terms and everything. Um, but they said that they went, and they had already prayed for her once that morning. And she was like, I don't really think like anything's going to happen, or I don't really think anything's going to come of this. They prayed for her. They didn't see a breakthrough that morning. Then earlier, or <laughs> later that morning, at the back end of the, of the session for the youth camp, they went up to her, and they felt something stirring. And so they go up to her again, and they're like, I really feel like we need to pray again. And so they go, and they lay hands on her, and instantly, she pops up, standing up straight. And it's the first time they've seen this in like 10 years. Yeah, it's awesome. And so he's up here just sharing this testimony. And I'm telling you, as soon as he shared that testimony, faith like shot up in the room like, like electricity. And all of a sudden, these kids that I had been seeing the day before that were coming in with like leg braces on, because I mean, they're kids. You know, like when I was a kid, I did dumb stuff. When you were kids, you probably did dumb stuff too. We got hurt all the time. And so these kids that were like limping or kids that had other kind of physical ailments were all of a sudden being prayed for being healed, jumping up, running around. And then there, it's like the bubble grew. Like one guy prayed for another person. They got healed. Then the two of them went and prayed for these two. And they got healed. And then you had four people. By the end of it, you had like six, five or six different groups of kids. I'm talking kids, like Gen Z, going all throughout the room, praying for each other, camp counselors, everything. Like kids are being delivered from depression and suicide. Out of a room of 85 kids, 20 of them raised their hands that they were struggling with suicide and depression ranging from the ages of 12 to 18, immediately being delivered and set free. There was another testimony of some girls that were struggling with homosexuality. They were delivered in an instant. They realized their, they realized their created value and their potential, and they tapped into it. And so why am I telling you this? The power of a testimony. The power of a testimony. We sing a song here, and we, I know you've probably heard it on the, on the radio, but it's 
He's too good to not believe. Don't you tell me he can't do it. Don't you tell me he can't do it. Because I've seen it with my own eyes. And I believe, too, that I'm going to see cancer disappear. I'm going to see metal plates dissolve. I'm going to see families reunited, prodigals returned, addicts finally free. It's happening in our day, in our time. But what is the common denominator for seeing moves like God happen? Pastor Phil touched on it last week, and I'm going to kind of uh, just continue the conversation on it, and that is intimacy, being with Holy Spirit, being with the King, not, not just doing life in, mm, how do I say this? Not just doing life knowing who he is, but doing life with him as he is in us, letting him live his life in us. Uh, an amazing, amazing man of God. How many of you guys have ever heard of the man A.W. Tozer? How many of you guys? Okay, all right, cool, awesome. Well, I was going through just one of his devotionals that he had um, because I, I don't know about you guys, but if I read of one of these mighty men of God, these generals in the faith, I want to know how they thought, how they walked on the earth. Like, I don't know about you guys, but like, how many times have you talked to your friends and you're like, man, as soon as I get to heaven, I'm beelining it to Moses. I want to know what was going through that guy's head. <laughs> Granted, yeah, we're all going to have those questions, but that's if you're lucky to get off your face in like for 15 seconds without falling down because the glory is so strong. But that's a different story. I doubt we're going to get to heaven and be like, that's Smith Wigglesworth. We're going to be like, Jesus, you know? <laughs> and there's Smith, you know? It's like cool stuff. But anyways, A.W. Tozer, he writes in this devotional called Personal and Intimate. And it's just a small little excerpt. I want to, write th- or I want to read this to you guys. And it says, the love of God is one of the great realities of the universe, a pillar upon which the hope of the world rests. But it is a personal, intimate thing, too. God does not love populations. He loves people. He loves not masses, but men. He loves us all with a mighty love that has no beginning and can have no end. Just going to pause for dramatic effect there. John 21. If you got your Bibles, turn to John 21. I have had this rolling around in my spirit, and I'm like... I don't necessarily know where he wants it to go, but I just know we're going to go here and we're just going to start reading. Um, Because I feel like they're very, like, man, I mean, God's our father. There's nothing more that he desires than to intimately know his kids, you know? I mean, it's like we're we're living in a day and age to where society is pushing for the attention of every single person across every single age bracket. So you've got Gen Z that is literally the most social media, most easily accessible information generation on the face of the planet. And then we've also got, so there's starting to be a little bit of a disconnect between the way that communication happens between generations. Because at least two or three generations ago, it was easier to connect with the younger generation because there wasn't so many things that are easily accessible. You know, you know what I'm saying? And so at least... At least we still had paper Bibles back in like 2003. You know, like I had something to kind of, you know, like cell phones were just now really kicking up. I mean, like the Nokia and all that kind of stuff was just now beginning to take off. And so I am blessed that I had the opportunity to kind of get to like actually appreciate like paper. Of course, now like here I am with an iPad and I make fun of mom for writing everything down in her calendar. But you get what I'm saying. So I do think it's important that with intimacy, we need to fight for this and not so quickly divorce ourselves from, this, from the next generation solely because, well, they're just talking in a language I can't understand. 
Paul said, I am all things to all people. Paul didn't say, I become all things. He said, I am all things to all people, which is, Paul's like, hey, if you love fishing, I will do whatever I can to know fishing as well as it opens the door for me to be able to communicate with you about Jesus. You know, he didn't take, he's like Jesus. He didn't take part in the sin. He surrounded himself with people that were hurt and lost because he said, I didn't come for the healthy. I didn't come for the whole. I came for the lost and the broken. And so it's important for us to recognize that. But you can only do that with effectiveness and to where you don't lose your identity when you actually walk in intimacy because your identity is found through intimacy. You will only know more of who you are when you know more of who he is because it's him living his life in us. That's the common thread here. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory, making his, like, making his work perfect, his strength perfect, our weakness imperfect. But it meets that. There's that beautiful meeting point. So hey, if you're there in John uh, 21, we're going to enter in here. Man, I'm excited. I don't know like, what all he's got, but it's going to be good. So John 21. Uh, I'm just going to start reading. So this is the third time, all right? So Jesus has already revealed himself to the disciples twice. He revealed himself to all the disciples, minus, Je- minus Thomas. They all see Jesus. They believe. Thomas shows up, and then they're all like, oh. like, you talk about like fear of missing out. Try and imagine being Thomas. You walk into a room after everyone. You left. Everyone was depressed. You walk back in. They're like, this is the best day ever. This is the best day ever. You know, it's like, what's going on? It's funny. Jesus doesn't show back up for like a couple days. I'm like, I don't know about you guys, but if I'm Thomas, I'm like, bro, like, I'm not going to believe it till I see it, but you guys better shut up because everyone around me is happy and I don't believe it, you know, but days. And then Jesus shows back up and then he sees Thomas, sees Jesus. Oh my goodness. It's him. Um, It was much more passionate than that, but anyways. So John 21, verse 1. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. Talk about some good friends. And they said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Sounds a little familiar. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. Sound a bit familiar. That disciple whom Jesus loved, (laughs) AKA John, the writer of the book, that disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. Verse eight, the other disciples came in the boat dragging the net full of fish for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. First of all, like I kind of see Peter here as like, I don't know about you, but if I'm not Peter, I'm kind of like, yo, bro, like, we have all this fish that we can't even like, handle, and you're just leaving us yeah. to go see Jesus. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's fine. It's fine. I imagine like, the disciples are like, yeah, yeah, it's OK. We didn't need your help anyways. Like, we got it. We're just, we're just bringing it over. It's OK. We're good. And so anyways, so Jesus, or, uh, so they were 100 yards off. But when they got on land, they saw a charcoal fire. This is a, this is a part that I want us to really look at here. 
Verse 9, when they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. First thing here, Jesus has created a place for you. Have you created a place for Jesus? He has set himself to know you. We're talking about a Lord who has gone to the cross. He went to the cross. He died three days in the belly of the earth. Not a great place to be for three days. Not even a great place to be for two seconds. But he spent three days. And then he overcame, defeated death, hell, and the grave. He's alive again. Jesus could be anywhere. He could be, he could be at the right hand of the Father. But instead, he's here at the side of the Sea of Tiberias, making breakfast for his disciples. Like, do we see this? That the king of glory would take time out of his busy schedule to come and meet with you. But how many of us are willing to make time for him? I mean, it's, it's, so, it's so important. And th- I'm, I'm not preaching something that I've perfected. I'm preaching something that I'm in process with as well. So I'm right here with you guys. Like, I'm preaching to myself as well. It's a continual learning curve of just recognizing that I could be busy doing stuff for him. But if I'm so busy doing stuff for him that I don't have time for him, then I'm killing myself. I'm not going to. I'm not going to. Dull it down. That's literally what you're doing, is you're killing yourself. Anytime you aren't spending time with Jesus, he's the life source. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. All that are connected to him, that would remain in him. Those are the ones that they weren't cut short because they knew where they, 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 their, their ending was just as strong as their beginning. Does that make sense? As believers, how many times have we looked at maybe our walks with Christ, and it's like, oh, man, they're on fire. How long they've been saved? They got saved last week. It's like, that's awesome. How long you've been saved? I've been saved for 25 years. How many people have you led to the Lord? Not not, Not judging anybody on that, but I am saying if we have grown comfortable and we just think that time has enabled us to lose our fire, because we've gotten so familiar with the life that we live, then we've limited the effectiveness of Jesus in our lives. I don't see a single disciple that, through years of serving Jesus, actually dumbed or dulled down their ability to manifest Jesus everywhere they went. As a matter of fact, it intensified. Peter spent time with Jesus when he was here. He caught on fire, denied him three times, was restored, and then Jesus tells the disciples, go and wait in the upper room until the helper comes. The helper came 10 days later, breathed on the disciples. Now they're endued with power. And now Peter goes, and he's preaching and baptizing a Roman centurion. And he's going and he's preaching the kingdom of heaven. He's standing before Pharisees and Sadducees that look and they say, these men are uneducated. It said that they knew that they had been with Jesus because these men were uneducated talking about these complex things. 
And so it intensifies. So if in your walk with Christ, you've allowed yourself to become stagnant, or you've allowed your effectiveness to grow dull, it's the primary reason is lacking, lack of time in the secret place, intimacy. Intimacy, the best way I can think of intimacy is many times we use this scripture for like men's groups, which is, you know, iron sharpening iron. Well, I see that when you're in intimacy, you're there with the blacksmith, and he's sharpening you. He's sharpening your effectiveness. But he will only met, you'll know how to handle the presence of God publicly when you know how to treasure it privately. It has to be treasured privately. And so Jesus is here, and he creates a place for Peter and John and Thomas, even, once again, and Nathaniel. And these guys are sitting here. Something else I think is so cool is that Peter waded into the water in verse 11. And I'm reading from the Passion Translation right here. And it says, so Peter waded into the water and helped pull the net to shore. It was full of many large fish. This is a cool thing. Exactly 153 fish. Why would the Bible take time to tell you how many, done, how many fish he done caught? Like, really? You know? But even so, or even with so many fish, the net was not torn. And there's a little bit of an explanation here that I want to read for 153 fish. It says, this speaks of the great redemption of Christ for all nations and all people. 153 large fish points to a mighty harvest from among the people groups of the world. This great catch of fish begins the process of inner healing for Peter and the guilt of his denial of Christ. Peter began to follow Jesus because of a great catch of fish in Luke 5, verses 2 through 10. So Jesus now repeated that miracle, inviting Peter to begin to follow him again. According to the early church, there were 153 species of fish in Lake Galilee, and that would remind Peter of his original call to be a fisher of men. All tribes, all people, all languages, that's what we're called to do. We spend time with God for our sake, but when we're out in public, we live with Jesus for your sake. I heard Bill Johnson say this, and it's that the Holy Spirit is in me for my sake, but he comes upon me for yours. He comes upon us for the sake of the world, but it's our relationship with him in us, because it's, it's, it's totally possible for the Holy Spirit to come on you and you not be affected by it. Like, we've seen people walk in the anointing, but they didn't fully treasure it. We saw Saul, who was anointed to be king. He was God's chosen. But he didn't have that connection with the Lord. He didn't give himself the opportunity. His head, got too, his head got bigger than his heart. And so inevitably, he fell away. Solomon, who actually had asked the Lord for wisdom, grew comfortable in his wisdom that all of his wives, I mean, hey, I'm not going to lie. Like, dude had it good. You know, like, he's got all these wives. He's got all this money. He's got everything. But what does he write to us later on? He says, all is vanity. Amen. The richest man in the world, quote on the most successful man, probably the John Maxwell of his day, said, all is vanity. Because he did not finish as strong as he started. Intimacy is the ability for us to carry it out. Longevity. What did Pastor Phil talk about last week? There are some that, there are some that come into a move of God because they love to sow the seeds. They love to see the work begin. 
And then there are some that come on board on the ministry. It's like, oh, God's moving over there. So they run over there, and they like to jump on board with it and act like they've been there for the whole 10 years. But what is the key? Watering. There's longevity in the watering. There's pain in the watering. There is, there is this desire to know, Lord, am I actually doing what you told me to do? Yes, son, you're doing what I told you to do. How many times when we read about Paul going from church to church to church to church? Sometimes I just, sometimes we think in our head for Peter, or for Paul, sorry, that he was in this church, and then two days later, he was in this church, and then three days later, he was in this church, and then you know, two days later, he was in this church. He wasn't moving around that fast. I mean, some churches he was. Some churches he was booking it because he had to. He was sending letters, sending his messengers. But then there were other places he was there for a few years. Sometimes in the scripture, when you read a verse, there could be seven, eight, maybe 10 years between just verses. And so we need to realize the longevity. And it's easy when you read it in a book. You read it in a book. 33 years, though, like Three years of Jesus' 33 years were documented in the Gospels. That's only three years. That's a lot of days. And the Gospels are only like that thick. And even Luke, or even John writes in the very last portion, he says right here, John 21, verse 25, now there are also many other things that Jesus did were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. So we're already seeing that there's much, much more to this picture than we're actually, we're just getting a glimpse of the things that God's like, you need to see this. You need to grasp this. And so whenever it comes to our walk with the Lord, we need to realize the longevity that he's calling us to, because longevity calls for consistency, and consistency builds faithfulness, and it restores hope in us, and hope doesn't disappoint. Hope helps your heart not grow bitter. And I've been convicted in my heart because we went on a vacation uh, just last April, and we went to Hawaii. Um, and our first night there, all right, so we have like this huge expectation on what Hawaii is going to be like. We're like clean, like beautiful beaches, like the best food and all this kind of stuff. And we definitely saw that, like some of the best beaches. Pacific's a little freezing, so like wasn't a huge fan of that. But I'm just kind of a wimp when it comes to cold stuff. And then like the food was delicious. But when we first got there, we got to our hotel, and we walked down to Waikiki Beach, and we turned left. Boy, we should have turned right. <laughs> like we turned left, and we're walking down, you know, because we're going to this restaurant, and we see like parties and like all this kind of stuff. And we're just kind of thinking to ourselves, like, all right, this is like a little bit more of, you know, not what I was expecting. You know, I was, I was expecting like tranquil, calm, shh, but no one said we got like, you know, like people are just, you know, it's on the beach and that kind of stuff. And so I remember talking with B and it was like, and, and B had mentioned this too. And it was like, like, I just, I got my hopes up too much, you know, because it was like, this was my expectation and then we got there, and it didn't quite match what I was picturing in my head. Now, over the course of that trip, boy, it sure got better, because we discovered the places to go. We discovered what was good and what maybe wasn't the best and you know, where to hang out, and we had a great time. But it was that initial, it didn't quite meet what I was expecting. But with the Lord, he always exceeds our expectations. Even your idea of him is like 100 billion times worse than who he actually is. 
Like, you could think up your best imagination of him, and he is infinitely better than that. And so, but it comes down to the watering. It comes down to the watering. And that's what happens in the secret place. The secret place is watering. I can't tell you how many times I've spent time with the Lord in my private time, and I feel like I'm literally walking in circles. Because I'm just like, you know, Lord, I'm asked, like, I'm seeking you, I'm praying, like, just being open and honest with you guys. Like, I'm praying, I'm seeking the Lord, but it just like some days I feel like I'm touching heaven, and other days I feel like I'm in a wine cellar and nothing's getting five feet in front of me. You know, like, I feel, and, and, but that's why God said, don't be led by your feelings. And the other night we were having soak, and the Lord said, regardless of if you feel like your prayers are touching heaven or if you feel like your prayers are falling flat in front of you, He said, I'm there and I hear them. He is interceding on behalf of us constantly. So he knows a little bit about consistency. It says that Jesus is the high priest of our confession. And he is constantly standing in the gap for you and me. It says that the enemy comes before and gives accusations of us. The enemy is constantly bombarding and trying to prove you guilty. But Jesus is standing there in the gap. And he's saying, you're wrong. You're wrong. And you want to know how he says it? He says, you're wrong. Shows him his side. You're wrong. The crown of thorns. You're wrong. He's like, my son is blameless. My son is beautiful. My daughter has been chosen and called. So if I have a king that's willing to do that for me, I can't just look at an old tape of Billy Graham and be like, Lord, do it in me. And then don't pursue what he pursued. When we see men of God walking in mighty, amazing moves and miracles, it's because they're being trusted. Unfortunately, it's not that way with everyone. But once again, it goes back to we need to finish as strong as we start. Because when you allow yourself to get stale, that's where you see, man, well, that pastor of that church fell away. Or that youth pastor committed suicide. How could that happen? It's because they allowed themselves to get out of the secret place. I remember we had a conversation actually with you, Brian, um, when we first went to Little Rock for the Call to Love. And you said, one of the things that you had said to us was uh, you would meet with a pastor and just love on him. Brian Canedo, I know you guys have heard us talk about him, but he has a ministry called Called to Love. And I love this so much, is that their heart is to minister to and to love on pastors and leaders. Uh, that's not something that is very common or prevalent within the church, is having those in leadership actually being poured into as well. Because we're, or even holding us accountable to make sure that we're spending time with the king. And so Brian was telling us one day at lunch, he said he was meeting with this pastor and there was uh, a couple of situations or issues that were happening. And he said, he just looked at the pastor in his eyes and he just asked him, he said, when was the last time that you read the word and just spent time with him? And the pastor couldn't tell him. And these are people that are getting up on platforms that are shepherding. Once again, not to cast judgment on anyone. This is to hold us accountable. Jesus said that the, the, the whole purpose of the fivefold ministry was to equip the saints for the works of ministry. But how can the saints go out and do the work if they're not being equipped? We're held responsible for what we know. So for me, when I read this, and I see that Jesus has created a space for me. Have I created a space for him? Now I'm held responsible for that. 
I have to go and create a space for him. It may be that throughout the week, I plan and I schedule this or I schedule that. It may be, you know what? I'm going to actually lose sleep so I can spend time with the Lord. Whether that means waking up at 4.30 in the morning before I go to work, or if that means staying up till midnight to spend time with him, I have to give the Lord some time. David said something very profound in Psalms 132, verses 4 and 5. And I'm just going to go over real quick and just read it. And I know I'm almost out of time, but I just want to hit this real quick. David understood this. He was consumed with seeing this. David said in Psalms 132, verses 4 and 5, he said, I will not give sleep to my eyes. Watch this. I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. This is a man who was consumed with seeing the Lord. He was consumed with, with pleasing the Lord. And he even went as far as to say, I will not let myself sleep until I find a place for the Lord. So I want to encourage us as a church body that today, starting today, that we would not let ourselves go to bed until we have spent time with him. And it's not just spending time and seeking the Lord when you need him, and then the work's done, and life goes back to normal. That's what I told myself when we were in Louisiana. We see these mighty moves of God. We're like, man, God is faithful. He did this. But then what happens when you get back home? What happens when you get back from conference? All said and done? You got your 20 bucks? Like, now we're happy? Like, no. A move of God ends when people stop going to him after the work is finished, and they say, thank you. Thank you. Out of the seven lepers, how many of them came back and said, thank you to Jesus? One of them. And when a move of God is happening, the last thing you want to happen is for it to end. But I want to tell you guys, we're in the middle of a move. We're in the middle of something so special. The presence of God is stronger now than it ever has been before. Why? Because we know more about his presence, and we're pursuing it more than we ever have before. But I don't want us to take our foot off the gas. I want us to continue to press in deeper, not just collectively, but individually. Amen. Individually going in. Yeah, Becca, you could come and play. Make it sound holier. So you can like get into the secret place by yourself, with your spouse, whatever. Spend time with him. He has made a space for you. He made a place for the one who denied him thrice. Yes. And he has the audacity to cook him breakfast. How many of you guys would cook breakfast for somebody who stabbed you in the back? Like, for real. You know, like, he comes, but Jesus looks at him, and he asks him three times, Peter, do you love me? Yes. And he said, of course I do. Then feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Yes. Yeah. Feed my sheep. Peter, yes, sir. Do you love me? Lord, yes. you have asked me twice, do I love you? Yes, I love you. I would do anything for you. Then feed my sheep. For us as believers, the Lord is asking, do you love me? And I got to tell you, we've been living in day and age where saying it is not going to cut it. You have to do it. 
He said, we are doers of the word, not just hearers only. If you hear the word, but you don't apply it, you're no good, you're no better than the stony ground. The seed planted itself, but its roots didn't go that deep because of the rock. And it sprouted up real quick because it was excited. Man, left church today. That was awesome. I'm ready to go get lunch. Are you gonna are you gonna go out? Are you gonna go home at like I'm convicting myself in this. We're gonna go home later on today and like sit down and just watch Netflix or Disney Plus. Like, or are we gonna go and before we do anything else for the rest of the day, we're just gonna get on our knees and say thank you that you would love me enough to enable me to go and spend time in your presence with other like-minded people that are hungry for you, the same if not more so than I am. I want to know him more, guys. And I pray that as we continue from this day forward to march headstrong into what it is that God has for us, we've got to know him so we can recognize him. Satan's not going to lighten up. You keep watching the news, you're going to get more depressed. But if you open yourself up to this, and you may be sitting there thinking, well, I don't know where to start. I don't know where to start. I didn't either. Just start with a page. Just start, start, start with this. Just pick out a page and read that. There are some people that we read stories. We went to the Bible Museum in Eureka Springs, and we had seen these little fragments of scripture that people, I want to say it was in Asia, in the, yeah, the underground church, that they had taken parts of the Bible, and they had they had folded them down to a, like, literally, like, a, like, you had to have a magnifying glass to be able to read that. And they would fold it up and they would stick it in their hair just so they could get the word. Just so they could get the word. And if they were discovered with that, in an instant, they were killed. Other people that would want to be baptized. We did this two weeks ago, 4th of July. We baptized three people. Glory to God. But there are some people in other countries, the moment they come up out of the water, in an instant, life is ended. Why? Because they have spent time with the Lord and fallen so in love with him to where they say, I count it all as nothing to live without Jesus. We need to come to a place where we're like Moses, that we say, if your spirit doesn't go with me, I'm not leaving. I'm telling you guys, like, get ready. When we get a building out at 1230, like, sure about that? Just saying. You may want to pack a, you may want to pack a lunch. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But I want to pray for us this morning. Man, thank you, Lord. I want to pray for us this morning that the saturated love of Jesus would penetrate our hearts, that we would be drawn to a decision, that we would take it full force, but that we would say, God, I know who you are. God, I know who you are. And I love you enough that I would be willing to say no to certain things just so I could see you more. If we, guys, if we want to see him, this is for myself included. I can't say this enough, but that if I want to see Jesus do something he's never done before, some of you already know where I'm going with this, then we have to do what we've never done before. 
we have to give him more of ourselves. We need to yield more of ourselves. And if you're here this morning and you're fully yielded to the Lord, praise God, continue to run towards him with everything that you have. And for those of us that are, for, for, for those of you that are not fully yielded, I hope that you would recognize those that are and be like, Paul, follow me as I follow Christ. And so Father, I just ask right now, Lord, for such a hunger of the presence of the Lord to fill this room, to fill every person in this room. Lord, that we would not belittle you to an experience or to a conference or to a camp, but God, that we would recognize that you're the same God in the business aspect. You're the same God in the political realm. You're the same God at home. You're the same God at work. You're the same God everywhere. And Father, we choose to let our ending be stronger than our beginnings. Holy Spirit, breathe on every person here that is hungry for a move of God. Everyone, can we just put our hands in the air? Just go ahead, let's actually, let's stand up, let's stand up. Let's stand up and reach your, reach your hands out to the Lord and let's just do this as a sign of surrender, as a sign of yielding to Him as a sign of yielding to him, of saying, Jesus, I give you all that I am. I give you all that I have. You've made breakfast. You made sure that I was well fed. You came and you lived your life for me. And now you get to live your life in me. So now, Father, I ask, Holy Spirit, breathe on every person in this room that we would not grow comfortable, that we would not think that, oh, well, my interpretation of Jesus is the best. Father, I pray that that would leave our mentality, that we would live as carriers of your presence, that we would go everywhere with purpose. I thank you, Father, that the reality of Jesus would hit our hearts so fiercely that we would see what we see saw and what we read in Acts 2 is becoming normal again today. Lord, that just the hem of his garment healing people, it's not by your power, but it's by his power. And I thank you, Father, that Vision Church will not be a church full of seat warmers, but Vision Church would be a church full of world changers, Jesus lovers. And I just thank you for a double portion of your anointing, a double portion of your power hitting us now in Jesus' name we receive it if you believe that just say I receive it just say I receive it and now just engage with Holy Spirit right now just begin to ask him for a double portion just begin to ask him thanks for listening to this week's message be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud just search Vision Church If you would like to help support this ministry, you can do so at visionnwa.com forward slash give.